the nursery now. They're going to have have a Hallelujah party back there for you. So, are you ready with the podcast? That's a thumbs up. I don't know if that was a finger telling you hold on, or if that was a thumbs up. I just saw a little hand pop up from behind the screen back there. So I'm going to be talking to you tonight about excuses. God gave me this week to talk to you about excuses. I went back to Perspective Point, which is in my backyard in the middle of the woods, and I got a couple lawn chairs. I can go back there and get quiet, and he started talking to me about excuses. So here we go. So we're here. The church is here to build families up, right? That's what we're here for is to build up families and, and to have people uh, have better lives. But how many of you know that to build, on, build anything, you need a good foundation? If you just build it out here on the dirt, it's going to sink and it's going to settle and things are going to crack and break and bad things happen when you don't have a good foundation. So to build up anything, we have to have a good foundation. So to have a successful family, a successful marriage, a successful life, the word has to be your foundation. The word of God I'm talking about needs to be the foundation. He was the founder of all these things. He made, he made families. God created man and woman. He created all these things, so we have to have his word as our foundation. Now, it's easy to see what's happening in the world today with all the hate and the violence and the, and the division and all those things going on. It's a direct result of not following God's word. Amen. How many would agree with that? What's going on when you, when you turn on the news or you look on the Internet? That's a direct result of not following God's word. Hate, violence, division is all a manifestation of what happens when we rebel against God's word, Right? When we turn from the word of God and do, the, and do whatever we want to do, do our own thing, that's what's happening in the world right now. We can see that. We can see that manifesting itself. So while the church is held here to build up families, so much is going on um, to redefine families. Look what's going on in the world right now. Women and women, men and men, all the things that are happening, and, and there's just so much hatred and, and, and division, and the Bible calls it loss of natural affection will be in the last days. People giving up their children. Right? People, people beating on their children. All the things that are going on in the world and, and the things that are happening to, to redefine families. But God created family. Family is one man and one woman, right? And he said, be fruitful and multiply. How many of you know two women can't multiply? Two men can't multiply. It takes a man and a woman. We have to do it according to God's word. There's not going to be any fruit in it. God's word is the blueprint for life. It's the blueprint for family, for marriages, for, for, for to have a, a fruitful life. So uh, we can't enjoy peace and, and, and joy and victory. And all. We, can, we can see those things um, in a small spectrum, but we can't see full-on peace and, and joy and victory and all those things are not going to happen without God's Word, right? Without the foundation that we have to pour our lives upon. James 1.22 says this. Are you ready back there? James 1.22, I've got it in my Bible if you need. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be doers of the word. So to, to have that foundation built up in our lives, there it is. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Who's deceiving you? We're deceiving ourselves when we don't do the word of God. When we just hear the word of God and we let it pass in one ear and out the other ear. Right? When we say, I'm too busy to do that word of God, we're not doing the word of God, or, or I really like to do this one thing right here, I want to hang on to this thing, right? Or I don't need to go down to the church and join them. I, I can have church at my house. I can read my Bible over there. When the word says, fail not to assemble yourself. So, so Brenda, on Brenda's mirror at home, this made me think of this right here. On Brenda's mirror at home, it says, be the change you want to see in the world. She wrote on there with a, I don't know if her or Katie did, they write sayings, we have these big mirrors in our bathrooms. We have a he and a she bathroom, I think that's what you call it, where I have a sink and a mirror, 
and a medicine cabinet, and, the, and she has a sink and a mirror and a medicine cabinet, and I have mine all clean and just not very much stuff, so there's a little bit of stuff across the back, but I've got five girls in the house. So I've got four girls in the house, and they move in on me all the time, so it just gets cluttered up. But however, they take these Sharpies and they write on the mirrors messages that they want to remember or that they want you to see. So it says, be the change you want to see in the world. Be the change. That's an action word. You have to do something with that. We have to do God's word for it to apply to our life, right? If you want to see change in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your finances, in your health, in your relationship with God, do the word. Do the word, and we'll see changes in those ways. The main reason most of us don't do the word is, though, you guessed it already, right? Excuses. We've got excuses not to do the word. There's, there's a million reasons I can think of that, that I'm not going to do this word. I've got better things to do. Y'all going to be quiet all night tonight? Am I boring you? Am I stepping on your toes yet? Good. Good. Brenda was going to sing this song tonight, she said. But, but Rhonda used to actually sing this as a special, that song, Excuses, Excuses. We'll hear them every day. The church will, will, the devil will supply them, right, if the church will stay away. The devil will supply you with all kinds of excuses if he can just keep you out of the house of God, right? My main text tonight is, tonight is Luke 14, 15 through 24. I'm going to slow down here just a little bit now, and I'm going to talk normally. I'm going to try to anyway. That's usually how it works when I preach. I get excited for about 10 minutes, and I, and I, and I speak real fast, and then I finally settle down and, and actually preach. So we're going to try to get to that part tonight. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him, him being Jesus right here, right? Because this, this verse right here is in black, but the rest of the verses I'm going to read you tonight are written in red, which means it's Jesus Christ talking. So you can look this up in your Bible. Write this scripture down. I'm going to refer to it a lot. It's Luke 14, 15 through 24. There's Bibles in the back of the seats if you need, if you need one. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him, with Jesus, heard these things, he said to him, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, remember this right here, who shall eat bread. He's what? He's blessed. Blessed, right? We're talking about the blessed table. Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, Jesus said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Six, okay. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. We're ready to go here. But they which, which one accord began to make excuses. They be, we're talking about Jesus Christ here, right? We're talking about the things of the kingdom of God. But they made excuses not to come in and partake of these things. Isn't that what he's saying here? Some of you Bible scholars, isn't that what he's talking about here? So... But they began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and, and see it. I ask you to, to have, have me excused. So he's asking to be excused from this thing. And this ground right here that he's talking about represents earthly possessions. Right? We're talking about earthly possessions. He made an excuse not to come eat with Jesus at Jesus' table because he had earthly possessions he had to tend to. Sound familiar? Sounds like some of us, Right? And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. He's asking to be excused for, for this thing right here. And oxen in this in the scripture right here represents business or an occupation. I'm just too busy working tonight on, on Wednesday night, preacher, to come to church. I got to work on Sunday morning because it's double time. Do you not understand how much money double time is for me? You get what I'm saying here? This represents an occupation or a profession. I want to build up my business so I just can't make it to church on all those days. 
I just can't live for God every day of the week because I'm busy doing all these other things I have to do to take care of business. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And this wife right here that he's talking about represents social ties. How many times do we miss church because our kids have a ball game on Wednesday or on Sunday? You get what I'm saying? Or my spouse just doesn't feel good, so I think I'll stay home with her. Are you following me? Or this goes on, or that, or that goes on. You can tell a lot about a man or woman of God when their spouse is sick and they're down, and they're still in the house of God. Are you following me? When something doesn't go right, and they're still here. You can tell that's a strong man or a strong woman. They come anyway in the face of adversity. So this wife represents that. So, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house being angry, Jesus was angered by this. Now think about this. If he went and did, he says, he says he's going to prepare a place for us, right, in his, in his father's house. And in his father's house are many mansions. So think if he puts all this time in it. Think about this, Sister Linda. If you made a big Thanksgiving dinner, are you following me? And you put all the time and effort. You've been working. You stayed up all night long getting that turkey in the oven. And you did all the things that go along with this dinner. Jesus has been working on this thing for you, hasn't he? Wouldn't you be angry if all your guests called up at the last minute and said, I can't come, I got, I got this work thing going on. I can't come because i got to go polish my car today. I can't come because i got this or that. Are you following me? Wouldn't that make you angry if you put all this effort and this, and this money and the time out of that? So, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the, and the maimed and the lame and the blind. He went out and got those who were sick. Those who would receive of him, right? Who would be happy to have what he's prepared for him. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. There is still room in your house. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. God's house will be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. No one who was invited yet was too busy, had excuses to come into the house of God, had excuses to be in a relationship with him. None of them will eat at his table. None of those will, that was a table of blessing, didn't it say in verse 15? Now we come to church part time or we want to pray to God wherever we're at. We want that blessing. We want healing. We want all these things we want from God. What about what he wants from us? Yet we fill him full of excuses. We give him a bunch of excuses. Isn't that what Jesus is talking about right here? Right? So Jesus offers the kingdom and the blessing, but they gave him excuses, right? They rejected what Jesus offered and chose natural things over spiritual things. Sound familiar, church? It happens to all of us from time to time. Some of us are more, more of a stream degree than, than others, but it, it happens to all of us from time to time. I'm terrible with my time management. I, please don't think that I'm standing on a box preaching down to you tonight because I'm terrible with my time management. Terrible. I've got so much stuff going on. I've got a full-time job. I've got a family. I, I've, I've got to prepare to preach for you all. I have to have my own spiritual time. And a lot of time, my own spiritual time suffers with my preparation time because I spend all my time in preparation time and my spiritual time lacks sometimes. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to be transparent. I'm not perfect either. But this is something i got to work on. I recognize it, and this is something that I work on all the time. It's something that I struggle with and that I try to work on all the time. So most would say, I'd never do that. I would never do that. If Jesus came and offered me something, I would take it. I'd be happy to take whatever he's going to give me. 
I'd like to say that myself, even though I've made mistakes. The mistake is, the true, the, the huge mistake is, if we're ongoingly doing this, that's a slap in the face to him. When, when, he gives him. when he gives us a message like this to cause us to realize something, what we're doing wrong, we have a choice to make. We've got to either decide to change this thing that we've been doing, change giving God excuses in exchange for his invitation, in exchange for him wanting to love on us and draw us closer and correct us and get us right in our thinking, in our lives, in our marriages, right? With our kids, in our finances, in our health even. Isn't our health directly tied to blessing? Isn't our finances directly tied to blessing? Our marriages directly tied to blessing? Are you following me? The relationships that we have outside of this, God, the relationship with God, are directly tied to that blessing. I didn't know how to be a father until God became my father. I learned from that relationship. When you, when, when you strengthen that relationship, you'll strengthen every other relationship because that love flows from him through me and into my wife and my children, directly tied to that blessing. Most of us would say, though, I would never, I would never do that. When the truth is, most of us are doing it every week, week in and week out. We reject what Jesus offers, right? Now you're thinking, what? What are you talking about? I'm rejecting what Jesus offers, but we do it. We reject what Jesus offers because, let me put it to you like this. I'm the pastor, right? God's called me here to be in this position, to stand behind this pulpit and be a pastor. The pastor means a shepherd, right? Called by God to feed his sheep. That's my job is just to feed you the sheep, just to regurgitate what I get out of this book and lay it out here for you to feed it to you every week, week in and week out, week out to feed you his word. His, I don't, I don't, you all have been here. You see the scriptures we put on the wall, right? We put books, we put Bibles in the back of the, in the pews. I don't pull this stuff out of thin air. It's all out of the book. Is it not? I mean, I show you in God's word what I'm talking about. So I'm feeding you. God's word, right? So if I'm feeding you God's word, it's straight from the book. It's on the wall. I ask you to write it down. I've given you notebooks. I've given you ink pens to ask you to write it down. I'll give you a Bible if you want. I give several of you a Bible. I beg you to read the Bible. Are you following me? So it's out of God's word what I'm giving you. It's directly from the book. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can't make him drink. I can beg you to read the book. I can beg you to take these things and apply them to your life. Church as a whole, though, not just, not just grace, the church as a whole, and I can say this with confidence because if we were taking God's word and we were applying it to our lives, the church would be a powerhouse. It would be a force to be reckoned with. But I don't see that in the church. I don't see that in the church. So I know that we're not taking this word. I'm not the only pastor that's preaching the word. That's why I tell you it's important if, you're not, if, if this isn't your flavor, if this isn't your church, if this isn't where you're called to, find a church that's a good Bible-preaching church, a good Bible-believing church, because this is why. Because you need those messages come straight from the Word, straight from the book. It's God's Word that can change your life. It's God's Word that can set you free. It's God's Word that can get you with that blessing table that we're talking about. So <clears throat> this is why it's so important to do that, though. The message is straight from the book. If Jesus preached preach right here tonight standing in this pulpit, do you think he'd tell you something different than what I've been preaching to you for four years? It's all out of the book. It's his word. It's his word that I'm giving you. Why do we take it so lightly? 1 Thessalonians 2 and 3, or 2.13, I mean to say Paul says this. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, who's us? 
He's talking to the Thessalonians, right? But he heard from the disciples. You welcomed it not as the word of men. They didn't look at it like it was from Paul. They looked at it like it was from God. Are you following me here? They looked at it like it was from God. <clears throat> not as the word of men, but, but as, it, as it is in truth, the word of God. It is the word of God. It is the, the preacher preaches the word of God if he's, if he's doing his job right which also effectively works in you who believe. It works. You catch that right there? It works in you who believe, who takes this thing and recognize and realize that this word is from God. Y'all going to be quiet all night? I'm a participatory preacher. If I get a few amens and hallelujahs, I'll get you out of here by 8.30. Maybe. Maybe. I'm not very good at that. So, so, but, but what happens is though, in today, this was in, in biblical times we're talking about, but what happens in today's times are people get hung up looking at a vessel. They get hung up looking at the preacher. They get hung up looking at, at, at the Pope. Some of them do whoever they are, but they're looking at that person and, and, and don't look at me because I'll fail you. Any man can fail you at any time. But what you need to be looking at is realizing if I'm showing you this in the word of God, go read it yourself. Ask God for revelation of it, Right. So, so at, when we get caught up looking at, at, at a vessel, here's what we think. Here's our way of thinking. Well, that's pastor's way of thinking, and, and, and that's how he does it, but I don't have to do it that way. Or that's his interpretation. So, so you see it as, as an option, right? God's word becomes optional because you're looking at the vessel instead of looking at the word. This is what's happening. I believe this is what's happening because it's happened to me. When you, when you look at a woman, I, I have a hard time, and I believe that women can preach. I know my Bible. I know the Word. I know that women can preach. But most women, don't their, their voices don't project. They don't command the room like a man does. So I think I would have, and I'm not, I'm not sexist at all in any way, shape, or form. But I would have a hard time sitting under a woman pastor. Are you following me? But I would be looking at a vessel to say that. So I know that's a weakness. That's something that I've seen in myself through this message when God gave it to me. So we see this as an, as an option, or we see this word as optional to apply it to our lives when we're looking at a vessel. Maybe you look at me and think, I'm spiritually older than he is. He cannot know what he's talking about. Or he's my nephew. He cannot know what he's talking about. I'm spiritually older than he is, and he's my nephew. So what he says is optional. I don't have to take it as it's a word from God, but it's a word from him. Are you following me? So, are you receiving from man, not God? I'll fail you. Don't look at me. So, are you sitting here tonight ready to make changes? Did you come to church tonight looking and wanting a change to make in your life? You should come to church like this every night, right? Prayed up, ready. Coming to church to have an encounter with Almighty God. Thinking, God, where can I change my life at tonight? Where can I change my thinking at tonight, God? Please purge anything out of me that's not right by you. I want to be more right by you all the time, God. Constantly making changes. Constantly making adjustments in our life. Are you hearing the word is optional? There's one of two things we can be thinking about tonight. Jesus said, if you don't receive me, you're not going to receive the one who sent me. Right? Church, God called me to be in this pulpit. He sent me to give you the word. If you call this your church and you call me your pastor, here's where we're at. This is where the rubber meets the road, my pastor would say. It's this word from God. I give it to you out of the book. We're not, I'm not here to convict anybody or beat anybody up tonight. I don't want you to think that at all. I'm not here to do that. 
I'm trying to teach you to allow the Word to have free reign in your life. And if you would allow the Word to have free reign in your life, it'll build you up, right? If you're convicted, that's okay too. That's great to be convicted. We know where we need to change it when we get convicted somewhere, right? If I've been using the excuse for years and God convicts me of it, hey, I'm not going to use that excuse anymore because God's God. And if you're being convicted, then that's the spirit. That's the, that's the two main jobs the Holy Ghost comes to do, to convict and to convince. He comes to, sh- to show you that, that God is real, that Jesus Christ is real. That's the convincing part. Without him coming to convince you, I might as well be talking to you about the Easter Bunny tonight. There's no words that I have to convince you that it's real. As a mature, intelligent adult, there's no way I can convince you that God was real. Right? Without the Holy Ghost and fire. He does that. He also convicts and shows us where we're, where we're messed up at. Shows us where we're wrong at, right? So if you're, if you're, if you're convicted, then that's good. That, that, that's okay. Your response to conviction, though, is paramount. It's critical what your, what your response is, how you respond to this conviction that you feel. Since God has given us his word, if your response is, I'm not going to change, it's going to cost you. God's given us to this, to this as a word. So if we respond by saying, Lord, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to do that. We might not say that thing. We might just hide it and put away and repress it and say, preacher, I think I'm pretty good when I walk out the door. Right? We might, that's how some people respond to it. You, you, have, a, you have a few choices. You, you can either respond and change the way that God wants us to. You can leave and not come back anymore. Or you can live a lie and stay right inside the church. That's where we're at. So if we trust in God, it's demonstrated by obeying God's word, right? And I can preach about tithes right here. I can preach about offerings right here. When God says, give a tenth of your, of your income, I haven't made a dime since I've been saved, since I've been living for God, that I didn't pay tithe on. I've paid 10% of every, and I've been more blessed now in this part of my life than I ever have been before in my life. And there's been times when I've made more money than I make right now, but it didn't matter because I, I wasn't living for God. So some people might say, I don't have that to give. I can't do that, preacher. That's between you and God. If you're really trusting in God, right, you demonstrate that trust by obeying God's word. And you can go back and look at tithe in Malachi chapter 3. I'm not even preaching about that tonight, but that, that was part, or there was for free. So if you trust in yourself, it's demonstrated by ignoring God's word. It's demonstrated by ignoring that conviction if you trust in yourself. <clears throat> Why do I hear and struggle doing it then, preacher? Why do I hear and struggle doing it then? Because we all hear. You all, you've all been sitting here for quite some time. But we all struggle to do God's word. All of us do. You never arrive until the day your feet rise up off the ground and you're in heaven. That's when we'll arrive. In Luke 14, 15 through 24, I'm going to say that again so you can write it down. Luke 14, 15 through 24, they didn't value what God offered. Church, are we valuing, are you valuing what God's offering you today? He offers us so much. But what value do we place on it? Do we place our social values higher than it? Or we place, we, we place a career higher than that? We place money, a monetary thing higher than that? Earthly possessions, are they, are they higher than what God's offering us? Think about that. They must be, because that's what we use as excuses. That's the excuses that we all use. We value, uh, they, did, they didn't value what God offered. They valued their possessions. They, they valued their business. They valued their occupation. They valued their, their social ties more than the kingdom or the spiritual things. They could have saw, they could have saw it as uh, an opportunity to change, 
to invite that invitation that God gave us. We could see it as an opportunity to change. They could have seen it as, as an opportunity to be more spiritual, an opportunity to be more blessed, an opportunity, opportunity to be more faithful, an opportunity to be more committed instead of making excuses. Why can't, why can't do what God told you to do? <clears throat> excuses. They, they didn't value what they were being offered. They treated what he offered lightly. We treat God what offers us lightly so many times. We're sitting at the blessing table of God, enjoying all the benefits. That's what I'm talking about, what God's offered, sitting at his blessing table. He offers us blessing. There's over 3,300 promises in this book right here, yet we treat it lightly. We can't even come out to the house of God a couple times a week. We're talking about God gives us all these hours every week, and we can't even get him, give him three or four hours a week. We treat what he's offering us lightly, enjoying all the benefits that these 3,300 promises provide for us, right? We're not going to, it's not just going to happen without your cooperation or without my cooperation. It has to be constant adjustments. It's like driving a car down the road, right? You, you get to driving down the road sometimes and you notice you're turning back and forth just a little bit. And there's, especially if you live where I live, right, there's a lot of curves and stuff. But even, if, even on a straight stretch, I think it's a law that every two and a half miles there has to be a curve in the road in the United States. You all know that? It's something like that effect because if it's a straight stretch for too long, people fall asleep and too many people get killed on a straight road. So if you're driving down a road, you have to continue to make adjustments. Even when you get on a straight stretch road, you might be able to let go for a while and that car drives straight. But if you continue down that path right there, sooner or later, you're going to cross the center line or you're going in the ditch. We have to constantly be making adjustments in our life. When we learn of something, remember when we were brand new Christians? It was easy to make adjustments then. It was easy to see how messed up I was when I first came to God. The problem is so many times we come to God we lay the big things down. We lay down the addictions. We lay down, we lay down the perversion and all, all the things, that, those big things. It's easy to lay those down and forget about them, right? Then we get heady and high-minded so many times. Well, I'm better than that. I'm good now. I'm good enough. I've arrived. If you think you've arrived, you're in the wrong church. You're in the wrong church. We'll never arrive until we arrive, until we arrive into heaven, right? So we have to be making constant adjustments to our thinking and to how we respond to God. Look at that, 9.30, and I'm about done. Only two more pages of notes. They didn't respond. <laughs> they went on and did what they wanted to do, right? And Jesus said, none of them will sit at my table. Church, if we continue to give excuses, none of us will sit at his table. None of us will be blessed like we want to be blessed. I, he said, I gave them an opportunity, and I gave them the word. I gave them a Bible, and I gave them a preacher, right? Talking about us tonight. He gave us these things. They kept pushing and pushing, though, in the Bible. They kept pushing and pushing against them, doing what they wanted to do, and going where they wanted to go. And Jesus said, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. You'll not, you'll not sit at the table of blessing, though, right? In, in the book of Luke, the decisions they made made an impact on their life. Church, the decisions we make are going to make an impact on, their, on our lives. If we want to keep giving God excuses, we will not set at the table of blessing. When Jesus, someone asked Jesus in the Bible one time, he said, will there be many that don't, or will there be few that make it into heaven? And he was talking to the church at that time. Jesus was preaching to this group of people, said, will there be not many that make it? He said, and Jesus said, I tell you the truth, there will be many that don't make it. When you look up this word many in the, in the concordance, it says much, many, or most. Now you think about that right there. If there's 
a dozen of us in here tonight, maybe? If most of us aren't going to make it, wouldn't that be better than half? And he was talking to the church. He was talking to the church. We can't continue to give God excuses. He deserves much better. Think about if he wanted to give an excuse when he was going to the cross to pay for our sins. We owe him this. We owe him that. So we go ahead and get every head bowed. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord, and I love you, Daddy, and I praise your mighty name, Lord. I pray that you would touch this crowd tonight, Father God. Touch these people, Father God. Touch the ones who hear this on the podcast, Father, and cause us to not be offended by this word tonight, Lord, but instead to take this word, Daddy, and apply it to our lives, Father God, that we would change our way of thinking, Lord, that we would change our way of doing things, Father God, that we would never offer you another excuse again, Father. Lord, I thank you for this, Daddy, and I praise you for this, Father God. I thank you for your anointing here tonight, Father, and we just love you, and we praise you, and we magnify you, Lord. I pray that you would just draw us, this church, together in an atmosphere thick with love, Father. Lord, I pray that we keep us safe until our next appointed time, Lord, and bring us back here with a visitor, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray these things, Daddy. Amen. Amen. Look at that.